Hi, and welcome to Friends of Brother Adam. My name is Dennis, and I'll be your host for this evening. Tonight, we're going to be uh, working a little bit on D1, our beekeeper production technician course, and uh, we're going to be talking about hive equipment, maintaining hive equipment. Um, today, in particular, we're going to be talking about hive stands. Now, before we get into that, I'd like to uh, tell you a little bit about uh, what we're doing here. This is a beekeeping technician course that, of course, that I cannot give you a beekeeping certificate because, well, you haven't registered and you guys are out there in uh, the great internet land and don't know who you are and, and uh, we don't have any ability right now to do any tests or anything like that. But <laughs> this is for your entertainment and enjoyment and learning. And uh, hopefully you can pick up some uh, tips and pointers for beekeeping. Um, we've been doing this uh, particular beekeeping course online now for, well, almost over a year. Um, and uh, this is my fourth season of uh, broadcasting um, online and uh, <laughs> it's been quite a go um, just looking at this you know as we're coming up to the end of the year um, looking at things that uh, went well and things that didn't um, i've uh, really enjoyed doing this however um, i am starting my transition over to library lbry um, we're uh, going over there because the current software that I'm using does not allow for me to monetize in the area that we're in. So, um, and being as every penny counts nowadays, um, we're heading over there to library. So, um, I've already placed quite a few uh, different movies and clips and things over there on library because it's a it's a platform that allows for both podcasts and for movies and for um, blog entries and that kind of stuff. So it's it's a multimedia platform, and uh, I put some things over there that I haven't included on the podcast. So if you'd like to go over, you can go over to https colon forward slash forward slash lbry dot tv and you're looking for at friends of brother adam all small letters all smooshed together <clears throat> excuse me all right so uh tonight we're going to be talking about hive stands um there are some different kinds of hives hive stands hives can be kept off the ground by placing them on any number or combination of these materials. Cinder blocks covered with tar paper or shingles or painted with waterproof paint, bricks or drain tiles, wooden railway ties, pallets or two by four lumber, wooden hive stands made of durable lumber, but be careful some wood preservatives are harmful to bees, permanent cement platforms, metal stands, or even flat level rocks. Pallets, unless with solid tops, are not recommended. 
You can easily twist an ankle or easily be injured, especially when the platform or pallet is rotten or weak. Um, Mr. Wynn, a California beekeeper, offers some helpful suggestions. He says that two by four by eight pressure treated lumber for a hive stand. To put together, he uses deck screws so they won't work out or become loose from temperature changes or from high winds buffeting the stand. He also sets the stand up on a stepping stone purchased at a building supply store to keep the wood from contacting the ground. <clears throat> so, um, we at my uh, <laughs> at my apiaries. It, it really depends on what the landowner will allow you to have. Um, I had a landowner that said no disturbing the prairie soil. So um, out here we have uh, natural prairie that has been <laughs> in this state for hundreds of years. Um, we usually have uh, prairie f fires that come along and burn the tops of them off but they always come up from the roots and again, and uh, they have a general consistency. And when you disturb the soil, what happens is you allow some of the weed seeds that are in the soil to be uh, brought up to the surface. And then wherever you disturb the soil, you'll have groups of weeds that uh, come up, tumbleweeds and that kind of thing. And so um, a lot of times they, they don't want you to disturb the soil. So um, sometimes they will allow you to bring in a load of gravel. And you can put the gravel down, smooth it out. And the gravel doesn't carry any seeds. And it makes it so that there's a nice platform you, for you to work on. that has some good drainage away from the hive and uh, that works very well but if they don't allow you to do that sometimes what you have to do is bring a, a pallet out and then build underneath the pallet with some rocks a platform and uh, then you can level out the uh, the pallet by sticking rocks underneath the platform at key points to make sure that there's support underneath the platform um, another thing that you can do is you can make hive stands um, and uh, just make them so that they are good at the height or at the the area that you're at so the the legs probably won't be even but what you do is you put the legs down and you surround them by rocks so that it holds legs up while you're working. And then you can put, uh, then you can attach your two by fours around the four legs that you've supported with rocks. And uh, then after you get it level standing there, then you lop off the tops of the legs and uh, then put a, a top surface on the uh, hive stand. So there's a whole lot of different things that you can do. Um, there are high hive stands, which are great during the 
uh, summer because it allows for wind to go underneath the hive and to cool it off a little bit. However, in our super cold winters, literally you have to um, put insulation underneath the hive in order to keep the hive from uh, being um, chilled from the bottom. Uh, you can also get low stands. So you get some pressure treated lumber and essentially what you're doing is you're putting to it together like it's a, a ladder um, and uh, then you're putting the hive stand on top of it or the, excuse me the hives on top of that ladder so it's fairly close to the ground um, the problem with this is it gives a wonderful place for mice to build their nest and, and have ready easy access to your hives so there are some benefits and some not so great benefits to them. The thing that you really want to remember, regardless of what you do, is um, location is key. Um, having a windbreak is awesome. Um, and deciding which kind of hive stand is good for you. Now, a hive stand that's up gets the hive away from some of the pests. So a skunk that would come on the front of the hive and scratch the front of the hive and wait for the guard bee to come out and then he'd munch the guard bee um, would not be such a problem because it'd be up and the skunk would have to expose its uh, tender belly to possible bee stings. Um, that's an important thing. Um, having it up off the ground allows you to throw a cargo strap underneath it fairly easy. And I would suggest if you do have taller hive stands that you cargo strap your hive to the, <laughs> to the stand because um, when you get it up off the ground, there's a, a big, bigger chance that wind is going to knock your hive over. Um, if you can and, and if your landowner allows, uh, it's always good to bury the legs into the ground so that you don't get hive stands tipping over. Um, and you can build your hive stand so that it integrates the slightly sloped design so that it slopes towards the front entrance of the hive. Um, so that you don't have to stick a, uh, stick or anything under the back of the hive to raise it up just slightly so that you get any kind of runoff going out the front of the hive. Um, you can you can actually build it so that it has just a slight lean forward but you don't want too much because it'll off balance your hive stand. Um, and um, something that I've found is you need a hive stand so that you can easily um, weatherize your your hive so um, because I've been uh, I've had upwards of 60 hives at one time um, and uh, trying to winterize all 60 hives really sucked <laughs> here in southern Alberta winterizing is quite a dealio uh, we put uh, if we're leaving them outside we're putting uh, tar paper around them so that we can keep the wind from blowing through the cracks. 
And then on top of the tar paper, we either put the uh, silver bubble wrap or we put foam, hard foam on the outside. Um, but we have to leave a, a fairly decent amount of airflow that's going into the hive so that it can breathe. Um, but doing these kind of preparations in the fall, um, usually the weather's not so great in the fall here. So doing these kind of preparations in the fall is not fun. And heaven forbid if something should happen and you're, you're winterizing later on in, this, in the season, then um, doing it in the winter in, in the snow um, <laughs> is not fun either. So um, what I've started doing is I've started winterizing before, like as I'm building the hive stand, as I'm building the hive, I'm starting to uh, think about some things that I can do to have a hive that's already winterized. So um, when I'm making the hive stands, instead of just putting boards on top of a raised hive stand so that uh, my, my hive can sit on the board, what I will do is underneath the boards, I'll put uh, foam, um, hard foam, and then I'll put the boards on top of the hard foam. And what that does is it gives a little bit of uh, warmth from the bottom so that uh, insulation from the bottom um, so that uh, I don't have to pick up the hive and slide something underneath the hive in the winter time to keep it insulated along the bottom. Um, and I've also started looking at having a lot of my lumber done up by a sawmill and making the lumber thicker than usual and of course that makes it so that I have to um, <laughs> adjust the insides of the hive so that I have appropriate bee space but you know that I have a inch and a half thick lumber on the outside so there's a lot of things that you can do to make your hive stand a lot easier to deal with as far as wintering um, there's a lot of things that a person can do to make the hive stand uh, more stable by using pressure treated lumber, not uh, pesticide and uh, um, pressed lumber, but just press, pressurized lumber um, is, is a better thing. It doesn't rot as fast. And uh, the reason why you say that is because, you know, it really sucks to make um, let's just say you have 15 hives to make 15 hive stands and then two years later have to make 15 more <laughs> because your hive stands have sucked so hard and they're falling apart. Um, what some people do here in Alberta is they make their hive stands so that you can um, put uh, a forklift blades through the um, underneath the pallet and they'll put multiple hives on a pallet and when it's time for winter to come and they're going to go move them or if they're moving them during the season they just come out with their forklift and slip the uh, forks underneath it pick it up and move it as you would any other piece of uh, equipment so um, if you are going to be doing that make sure that you make your hive stands so that you can move them with a fork. Um, in that case, you'll probably end up making a pallet-like uh, hive stand. 
Um, uh, I've watched on TV um, here in, in Canada, another beekeeper, he has uh, what they call a picker and it is an arm that has a, a cable on it and on the bottom of the cable is uh, forks for a forklift. So it's kind of a funky little special made um, lifting device for hives and it really decreases the amount of work that the beekeeper has to do. Um, he's able to control that uh, picker with uh, um, a remote that he can operate and it just brings down the forks. He slides the forks in through the uh, hive stand and, and then lifts the forks up and it lifts the hive up and he can throw it on his flatbed. So it's a really good idea to to have something like that, but a lot of us hobby beekeepers, we can't afford something like that. Something like that probably would cost more than what I paid for my house. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, if you're, if you're a serious uh, factory type beekeeper or a commercial um, pollinator, that might be something that you want to invest in. But uh, those of us who don't, and uh, who have 10, 15 hives, it really doesn't make any sense to do something like that. So every one of us needs to look at what we're going to be doing with our hive stands and adjust accordingly. All right, since we've already flogged this horse to death, <laughs> let's go on to uh, talking a little bit about um, buying used bee equipment. Um, the uh, appropriate answer for the making you sad people out there who uh, regulate the hell out of us beekeepers. The simple answer is don't use but um, don't buy used beekeeping equipment because if you do it has to be inspected before you purchase it and then it has to be uh, disinfected before you put it into use. Um, so now that we've uh, made the uh, regulators extremely happy and, and uh, the making you sad people and, and uh, the Karens out there who want to complain that uh, somebody's selling some used bee equipment for super cheap, here is the reality. Um, there are, are lots of diseases out there for bees. And uh, one of the reasons why beekeepers get rid of equipment is because they've had disease and they haven't been able to stop it and it's caused them to end up going out of business. <laughs> business. So um, what, what you're looking at is, okay, why are they getting rid of their hives? Why are they getting rid of their equipment? Um, another thing is, is that honestly beekeeping is one of those adventures that people get into. They spend a ton of money getting into it. They realize that it's a losing, <laughs> it's a losing uh, uh, issue. <laughs> You're constantly losing and you gotta be making tons and tons of bees, otherwise you end up buying bees every year. Um, and it, it's pretty rough. I mean, it's agriculture. There's some years where you have a total loss that means 100% of your bees are gone and you have to start from the beginning. 
Um, some years you, you come ahead so much so that you have more bees than you have equipment. Um, and other years, you know, you're, you're throwing tons of money after bad money. Um, some years, you know, like I've had landowners in January tell me to get the hell off their land. And, uh, and, uh, I've had landowners sell land underneath me in the winter and tell me I need to get my hives off of their land. Um, I've had, <laughs> I've had, uh, floods where it's, it's knocked off three quarters of my bees. Um, I've had, uh, kids come in and kick over hives and, and destroy stuff. Um, so there are a lot of reasons why you would end up buying, uh, used equipment or inheriting used equipment. Um, sometimes it's, it's so that you can expand quickly. You know, you go and you talk to a beekeeping friend who's might be, uh, downsizing or a beekeeping friend like myself who was, um, <laughs> wiped out and then uh, I decided I wanted to go with a different style of hive and different hive equipment. So what do you do with that hive equipment? If you can recoup a little bit of your losses, great. You have uh, people constantly getting into beekeeping and saying, hey, I can't afford to uh, buy my hive equipment, buy the bees, buy this, buy that. So, you know, you uh, help help a buddy out. Um, and um, also when you're selling bees, you make a few extra hives of bees and stuff like that. And the person that you're selling it to says, yeah, I, I don't have any equipment at home, but I'm buying your bees. <laughs> uh, so you just say, hey, you know, throw in an extra $20, $30 and, and we will... Uh, Make sure that you have a setup. Won't be the best stuff, but it'll be passable, right? So um, those kind of things do happen in real life. And unfortunately, the, the um, making, making you sad police get even sadder because nobody wants to talk to them for some strange reason. And uh, nobody calls them and lets them know that they're selling used use beekeeping equipment and so they get really butt hurt and uh, so <sighs> advertising it you can't really advertise used bee equipment like you would when you sell your stereo or your uh, your uh, used car or something you're gonna have to you know put up put the information out with your fellow beekeepers who aren't going to inform the making you sad police and uh and get the word out there hey i'm i'm getting rid of all my stuff you know is do you know anybody who wants it type of thing and uh of course you're going to be selling it at uh, base basement bargain prices or or even fire sale prices um just to get rid of it type of thing you know um and maybe somebody else can use it um so but uh the the Legal answer is you have to get it inspected before it's transferred to you. And then after it's transferred to you, you can get, 
you can be guaranteed that uh, it's going to trigger an inspection of your apiary as well. <laughs> so they'll come back in a week or two and, and take a look at your apiary and, and go through your apiary and see if you have any uh, illnesses or stuff in your apiary. So you have to know how to, when you buy used equipment, that uh, you, you sanitize it. But let's go over some advantages that they have here in the, in the, uh, in the book. And this is approved by Alberta Agriculture, so it's just kind of funny to me. But they say there's uh, greater immediate productivity, uh, drawn comb gives much better crops, convenience, equipment is ready to use, and what you use is what you get. Um, purchases may include colonies of bees, established bee locations, facilities, experienced help and advice, usually lower price than new equipment, bargains can often be found, and sometimes the seller will finance or crop share. Um, and uh, all of that is a nice pipe dream <laughs> because uh, um, anything that they come out and inspect, they'll usually say, nope, nope, can't use that, can't use that, get rid of this, nope, can't use that. Oh yeah, you can use this. Um, usually they don't want to let you have any drawn out comb. Um, they, uh, they think that the comb is the, the biggest uh, transporter of uh, illnesses, so they won't they usually don't let you do that. However, the boxes, they'll sometimes let you take. Um, they'll sometimes let you take the uh, other equipment, like feeding equipment. Um, the thing that they do allow you to take, if it's really clean and, and, and everything's good, is the processing equipment, so your centrifuge and that kind of stuff. But usually they're really rough on what they allow to be transferred as far as beekeeping equipment. The disadvantages of buying used equipment, uh, you have disease risk, shorter remaining life of your equipment, equipment condition may not be obvious and a buyer must depend on a seller's reputation and reliability. Well, any equipment that you buy, um, <laughs> as is, where is. So you just know that it's just gonna fall apart regardless, so. Um, you just got to take that into account. Possibility of undetected or undisclosed chemical residues from uh, varroicides and or farm sprays. And there are some people out there who don't even think twice about it. You know, a farmer comes by, sprays the hives, and it knocks, kills like all of the hives there. They come back the next year for the, the harvest and there's no harvest because the bees have been dead since the farmer sprayed and uh, they just take the equipment and close up business and and uh, sell all their equipment and guess what all that equipment has spray on it um, inspection for disease and defects by an experienced beekeeper or government inspector is advisable it's not advisable it's mandatory they <laughs> they require you to either tattle on the person that's selling you the beekeeping equipment or to tattle on yourself and then then you're already well you broke the law already so i'm coming to get you type of thing so yeah that would be the department of making you sad but it just makes me laugh that they're like oh well it's, it's good to have an experienced beekeeper a government inspector 
Can you tell that I'm uh, not really happy with the department of making you sad? <laughs> Government requires notice of purchase and sale of used equipment and bees. There it is. Um, so um, it, it's, it's good to get used equipment when you're very first starting out. But just know, like it said, you know, there could be pesticide spray on the boxes themselves. The boxes could have diseases. Um, the wax is a big carrier of diseases. And, and you know, we're going to have to sit down and have a chat about the different kinds of diseases that um, beehives can have. Um, but wax does carry spores in it that, that cause certain diseases. Um, uh, wax can um, have uh, dead babies in it and as the bees come over along and try and clear out the dead babies in it uh, they could get sick with whatever the dead babies had so yeah it's it's something that you have to know um, so let's talk in reality about what we're going to do um, Let's just pretend that we notified the Department of Making You Sad that we are transferring 15 uh, hive bodies, deep hive bodies, no wax, and uh, we're transferring over some uh, queen excluders and some external feeders. Okay. So you get this, you go and you get the stuff and you take a look at it and being as beggars can't be choosers and you're a brand new beekeeper, you're going to go and you're going to look at it and, you know, the price is right. It's El Frio. So you're going to go pick it up and, and bring it home. The first thing that you do when you bring it home is you're not going to put it right into production. You're going to take it out into a field. You're going to set up a, an assembly line. Um, you're going to make sure that there's just an area that you're not going to set the prairie on fire because we're going to be using fire on some of this. Um, and you have to have access to hoses for water. Uh, you're going to be purchasing some bleach. You're going to be purchasing uh, some scrapers and scratchers and, and wire brushes. And we're going to go to town and start cleaning some stuff. And we need some huge big uh, containers, not necessarily buckets, but you're going to need something bigger so that you can dip your equipment in. Okay? So what you're going to do is the first station, you're going to have a scraping station. So this is a good time to get your kids out there or to get a friend to come out with you and you sit down and turn on the uh, field radio and sit there and scrub and scrape and... Uh, get all the wax that you can scrape off. And so you look on the inside of the hive body and you scrape that off. You scrape off in the corners. Um, the corners are where your wax moth larvae are going to be deposited. Um, also where if you're in an area where you have hive beetles, more than likely there's some hive beetles that have been sequestered by the bees in there. Um, You'll have uh, all sorts of things in the boxes. Sometimes you'll end up with a black widow in there. So if you got somebody who's a little bit more squeamish about um, spiders, you might want to do the scraping and stuff without them. <laughs> 
but uh, you know, um, used hive equipment is usually sitting in somebody's attic, barn attic, or or sitting in the back or behind some building or or something like that. So. Um, usually stuff is taken residence inside the boxes. So you want to be careful as you're doing that so you don't get bit by spiders or other bugs. And um, you want to scrape out all the old pieces of wax off of it. Then after you get the wax scraped off and all the stuff scraped off, you're going to take a look at the... Um, place where you're going to be setting the frames on, the, the frame rest, and you're going to be seeing whether or not your frame rest is um, damaged, whether the sides of the boxes are damaged, whether there will be holes in the boxes uh, along the corners or if there's damaged areas. You can repair some of the holes in the boxes with um, epoxy. So you can get the epoxy that's the two-part immediate application epoxy and you just squish it out into a paper cup, stir it up, and then plaster it onto where you need it um, to fix it. Um, you can fix frame rest by putting in a metal frame rest. You can get those little strips. Oh, I guess I just lost my other feed. Sorry about that. Um, okay, so we've now got it scraped off and we're ready to go. You're going to go take your uh, hive equipment. You're, gonna, you're fixing it up. You're putting epoxy in the holes so that you can plug up some of the holes. Um, be careful with epoxy. It gets on your hands and it just doesn't come off. So you'll want to use your PPE, your glasses, your uh, gloves for protection against getting it on you. Wearing clothes that you don't really care about because if you get epoxy on your clothes, they're pretty well done for. Um, and then uh, once you've gotten it all fixed up, you're putting uh, metal shims on your uh, frame rests and just making sure that all the, the parts and pieces are good and ready to go. Um, you're going to move it over to your flame area where you're going to be using fire. So you're going to have to set up um, a drop cloth or something on the ground so that you're not lighting the prairie on fire. Um, you're going to be, you're probably going to want to get yourself a chair and a small little table to put your uh, hive that you're working on because lifting it up and, and having it up in the air the whole time while you're doing this is going to be pretty tiring. So might as well sit down and, and uh, do your stuff on a, on a small little table. So you're going to be putting your hive bodies on the table. You're going to start up your um, torch. Um, and a lot of times I just use a plumbing torch. Uh, you don't want to use anything like a tiger torch or anything like that, but you just use a small little plumbing torch. And the reason why you're doing this is um, certain kinds of bugs and uh, certain kinds of diseases don't like flame, and so it, it gets rid of them. Um, and so what you're gonna do is you're gonna take your flame and on the inside of the hive body, you're going to essentially char the inside of your hive body. So um, you're going to pay special attention to the corners. You're going to um, heat up the corners until they're almost charred. You're going to 
almost char the inside of the the hive and uh, give a, a quick little char to the flame or to the frame rests because you're going to have a lot of propolis and a lot of uh, wax up there by the frame rests and uh, what will happen is if there is wax it will melt and it will coat the hive which is a good thing um, if it is propolis it'll whack, it'll melt just like wax and kind of run down the side um, don't worry about that too much because you're going to be setting it aside and then you're going to give it a once over with your uh, scraping tool you're not going to be wanting to take off any char that you put on the inside because the char is actually good so you don't want to remove it um, a lot of times in nature you will see that bees take up residence in lightning strike areas inside of uh, inside of the uh, trees and that's because the char actually um, the the fire inside of the tree would have cleaned up the tree so that it is ready for them to inhabit and what they do is they put their propolis on top of that char and it makes a, a healthy envelope inside of the hive so if you accidentally um, use too much flamage on your your hives just leave the char it's fine um, and you're gonna you're gonna scrape it just a little bit but not so much that you're taking off the black charcoal off the side of the hive now you might think that that is destroying the inside of your hive but uh, the truth is it's it's better to be safe than sorry so um, making sure that you pay special attention to the corners and your frame rests that's the most important thing because you'll have uh, sometimes you'll have hive beetles that crawl into a certain area and you can't get them out like they've crawled into a crack or something so by charring it you're you're frying the little beetles um, you're also denaturing any um, spores that might be in the hive so when you're done that just set it aside and uh, go through your whole entire thing and with this you 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 when you set up the stations you go through one station and do one thing at a time until it's done if you have lots of people working with you that's fine um, but if you're working with one or two people having one station you do all of your hive bodies at once at one station and then you go on to the next station and do it that way you're not mixing things up you're not forgetting steps the third step would be to have a container where you can dip or or uh, one of the things that I did is I had a kiddie pool so it would uh, it would uh, soak half of the hive body and then you'd have to turn it over to soak the other half of the hive body and with the kiddie pool, I just took uh, two huge big bottles of bleach and, and uh, poured them in, filled it up with water. Um, when you're using bleach, please make sure that you're using clothes that you don't care about, excuse me. And uh, please make sure that you're using hand and eye protection as well. Um, so you put your, your high bodies in, you let them soak in there for a little bit. Not so long that you're going to be... Uh, um, your boxes are going to fall apart but long enough so that you can get a good soak in there and make sure that it's it's possibly killing anything that might be left over after the scraping and the flamage so 
Um, once you got that done, then you're going to stack your boxes irregularly so that you have some good air flow past them and you're going to let them dry and you're going to let them dry for about two days in the sun if you can. Um, that would be a good thing. And then, um, then you have to think about what you're going to do to refinish the outside and anything for the inside that you're going to do for it. So this would be a good time to do any wax dipping that you want to do. Um, this would be a good time for you to paint up the uh, hive bodies on the outside <coughs> and uh, um, to put your mark or your brand on it so that if your boxes are lost, they'll come back to you. Um, if you're having used boxes, unfortunately, you're going to have the previous beekeeper's mark on it. You're going to want to um, paint over top of that and put your mark on it so that it doesn't look like there is other beekeeper's stuff in your uh, apiaries. And it'll stop you from being in trouble um, for stealing from the other beekeeper because there are some very... Um, bad people out there they'll sell you the equipment and then report it as stolen <laughs> so uh, just so that you know excuse me and uh, it's good for you to have a receipt for any beekeeping equipment um, just for that reason that if they uh, sell it to you and then claim it stolen then at least you have his signature saying that he sold it to you. All right. So that's, uh, that's getting used beekeeping equipment and taking care of it. I want you guys to know that on the face of it, um, if you are a larger beekeeper, it's usually not to your advantage to pick up non-standard beekeeping equipment. So um, that's, that's one of the things that you have to, to realize when you are purchasing your beekeeping equipment. And I don't like talking about it because it's like preparing for failure. But just in case, and you want to be able to get some money out of, well, fire sale money out of your equipment, um, if you should you know, have to leave the profession of beekeeping, um, buying standard equipment from the store is always better than making your own because usually uh, the larger beekeeping companies won't even look at you if it's non-standard equipment. But <laughs> just a side note, um, I, I don't know if you guys know, but I ended up having a divorce um, and I have at that time I had non-standard equipment and uh, my ex tried to take me to court to um, have me assessed for all of the beekeeping equipment that I had at the time. And uh, yeah, they assessed it. And a beekeeper came in and said, um, this, this beekeeping equipment is worth absolutely nothing because it's non-standard, it's made, homemade, and it is not... Um, not something that that any beekeeper would pay any money for and I was like "Ooh, <laughs> that's mean <laughs> but then when I realized what happened with that is 
Um, what what ended up happening with that is the uh, it meant that there was no value to my equipment, and then my ex couldn't get any money out of the equipment. So uh, it kind of made my hurt feelings go away a little bit. But <laughs> having another beekeeper come in and say, "Yeah, that your your stuff is shit." <laughs> <laughs> it didn't make me feel happy at all. But uh, that's one of the things about buying non-standard equipment and making non-standard equipment is that your resale value is in the hole. It really is. So just take that into account. If you really don't care about it and you're a hobby beekeeper, yeah, just run with it. So um, hopefully I've dissuaded you from uh, purchasing used beekeeping equipment. Um it's really not um, a good thing for people to do. And if you end up purchasing or if you end up inheriting old beekeeping equipment, I hope you understand all the steps that you need to do in order to make it so that it is usable for you and so that you uh, don't get into any difficulties when you end up trying to uh, make it work for you. The last thing you want to do is throw bad money after good, <laughs> good money after bad. There it is, good money after bad. Um, you know, you're, you're, you're having trouble with your bees and you need to expand and, and then you buy used equipment that is full of disease and then you throw it into your uh, <laughs> apiary and, and it ends up killing off all your bees. Yeah, not good. Um, I just have one story for you on that one. Um, I had a guy who was deathly afraid of bees um, call me up and say that he had some bees. I need to come and rescue the bees. Uh, something that he didn't tell me is he had wasted 10 cans of insect spray, wasp spray, insect spray, on the hive that I was going to be rescuing. I didn't know this, so all the bees were um, dead within a day <laughs> that I rescued. And I spent all day rescuing these bees out of this area. Um, least he could have told me is that I needed to throw everything out. But um, I was really desperate. I was needing to have comb so that I could uh, expand my equipment and, and uh, put uh, new queen bees on, on some comb. So I took some comb out, strapped it into frames, put it into some hives. I didn't know that he'd sprayed that stuff on there. And I ended up killing um, like 12 queens and the associated bees with the queens because this ding dong didn't tell me he used pesticides. I really should have just said, you know what, you don't need me. <laughs> I'm not putting in the work to do this. Just just do what you're going to do if you've already sprayed the spray. But he didn't tell me he sprayed it, and it, it just compounded when I took the old comb and put it into my apiary. And this was way back when, when I was very first starting, so I didn't really understand. But, yeah, he kind of screwed me really bad. So... Um, just a cautionary tale. I mean, you, you're, you're put so much money into making Queens and, and buying Queens and, and 
trying to make your, your apiary work. And if you're putting old equipment or old combs or anything like that into your, uh, into your beekeeping operation, just know that you might be uh, causing yourself a lot of trouble. So anyways, I hope that I have uh, helped you guys out there. I really wish you guys well, and we will talk with you soon.